Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. working in a series on the Holy Spirit because you know the Holy Spirit is essential to the Christian life. In fact, Jesus told the disciples not to leave Jerusalem until they had received the Holy Spirit, right? So that is what we will be talking about today. But first, let me tell you a funny, okay? Funny. Funny, a joke. Funny. A joke. So Bill, Bill needed a horse and he saw an ad in the paper on a Christian horse. So he said, that's fine because Bill was Christian. So he went and the owner said, oh, he said, this horse is so, so easy to ride. All you have to do to get him to start is to say, praise God. And when you want him to start, you just say, amen. So Bill got on and he got, oh, praise God, and the horse started walking. Praise God! And it started trotting and said, Praise God! He And all of a sudden, he realized, they're right at the cliff, at the edge of the cliff. He said, Amen! And there's a few, Praise God. He went down the cliff. That was a good one. That was good. But now, we are going to, to speak about today's topic. And seeing the importance of the Holy Spirit, we need to be, according to the word in Romans 8.14, 8.14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God or the children of God. I'm mainly reading scriptures from the New King James Version. All right? But I have heard say, I have heard some people say that now that we have the Holy Spirit, that we just need to be led by the Spirit. We don't need the Word. But let me warn you, it is not actually so. So in Galatians 5.16, Galatians 5.16, it says, Paul said, I say then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what now, what does walking in the spirit mean? Let's look, Paul gives a definition in Romans 8, 4 and 5. Romans 8, 4 and 5. It says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. So what does it mean to set your mind on the things of the flesh? We know we have five senses. We see, we hear, we smell, we taste, we feel. Now when we allow ourselves to be led by our senses, we are being led by the flesh. 
and often that manifests itself in being led by what we feel like doing rather than what the Word of God tells us to do. When we are led by the Spirit, we are led by the Word of God. So therefore, I would like to share here, I had first five, five, seven, it says the Father, there are three, first John five, seven. I just, first John five, seven. Do you have it there? Uh, JB, can you read that for me, please? Seven. Uh, New Living Translation. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. Okay. Now, in, in the version I had here, it says the Spirit, the, the Word, no, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. But anyway, the Father, the Son, and the Word, these three are one. So when we talk about being led by the Spirit, we have to bear in mind that the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ is the Word. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and the Spirit. So we cannot separate the Word from the Spirit, or the Spirit from the Word. They are one. It's important that we bear this in mind, right? So in Romans 8, oh yes, we read that. <coughs> So it says that, did you notice that it says <clears throat> that in verse 5 it says, set their minds, like you set your mind on what you live according to. It's like flipping a switch. Either it's on the flesh, I will do as I feel, or it's on the spirit, I will obey the word of God. It, but you, you have been given free choice. You set your mind. The decision is yours. But so if we say we want to be led by the Spirit, the Spirit is not some weird thing uh, that causes all kinds of weird manifestations no. that don't glorify God. Mm. That is not the Spirit. The Spirit always acts in accordance with the Word of God. It will not do anything contrary to the Word of God. So I think you've already realized that one of the keys to being led by the Spirit, we must know the Word of God. Amen? Do you think we could move the fan a little bit? <laughs> so now what are the things of the Spirit? Let's look at John 6.63. John 6. 63. Oh, yeah. That's good. Thank you. John 6:63 says, "It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life." So we are to be led by the Word. So. So walking in the Spirit is the same as walking according to the Word. And we already read 1 John 5, 7. So now there are two types of guidance. There's general guidance and there's specific guidance. All right? So for example, if I now, if I want to go and visit somebody in a different city, 
said, I, I don't know the city, but I have the, the address, I know the street address. First, I start out in the general direction. I start driving towards that city. Then once when I get really close, that's when I now need the details. Now I need more specific direction to help me find the actual street that I want to go to. But first of all, I must start out in the general direction. If I don't start out in the general direction, I will have no need for the finer details. So, Psalm 119, now we first of all will speak about the general guidance of the Word of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So God's word gives us the general will of God in every area of our lives, both spiritually and naturally. Do you know that even the word even says that he that will not work shall not eat? Well, that's like a natural counsel. You don't work, you're supposed to work. That's the general guidance. But it doesn't tell us where to work. There we may seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But it does say that we are to work. So that's a natural guidance, right? Yes. But there's also spiritual guidance. So, <clears throat> so the Word of God is the, the way, the way that He leads His children in His general will for us. Now, the specific guidance. This, the specific guidance is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is why it's really important that we do have the Holy Spirit, that we do learn to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. So Philippians 2.13, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he gives us the will to do it. He works in us. He puts the desire in our hearts. And Acts 5.32, Acts 5.32 says, And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. We have an inner witness. When we are born again, we have the nature of God inside of us, and we have the Spirit, the witness of the Spirit in us. But, yeah, so, sadly, sadly, many times we don't really take heed to that inner witness. Many times people do, they make a decision, they just feel pressured to make a certain decision or they just go ahead and then it doesn't turn out right and they just go, oh, I knew it, I just knew I shouldn't have done that. That is that inner witness, and we need to train ourselves to be sensitive to that inner witness because the Lord is for us in all of our ways. He is for us, and He wants to keep us and protect us from the bad things. Amen. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So if we don't have that peace in our hearts, we need to wait. We need to, to wait until we have the peace. But I also want to say, to that I want to add,
when you have the specific word of God, like you have, the, when the Lord specifically tells you, okay, I shouldn't hang around home anymore, I should go to work, right? Well, then maybe you're a little apprehensive, oh, I wonder, I hope I can do this job, and what should I do, and stuff. But when you, when you walk by faith, there may be a risk factor. But when you know what the, when you know that you know that you know that this is God's will, you proceed trusting Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, now, so we need to be aware that being led by the Spirit is not automatic just because we are born again or have been filled with the Spirit. Being led is not automatic. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.2. 2. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow there, <coughs> thereby. So in other words, our spirits need to grow. They need to be developed. They need to be trained. They need to be taught, educated and they need to be strengthened to become strong. <clears throat> now, do you know what does a newborn baby do? When a newborn baby nurses, it creates a vacuum in its mouth. And that vacuum is what draws the milk from the mother, right? And that vacuum, why? Because the baby has a strong desire for that milk, so he creates that vacuum. Now God wants us, here we are being likened, our spiritual state to that of a newborn baby. He wants us to create in our hearts a strong desire for his word. And then when we get it, it will nourish us, it will grow us, and it will strengthen us. But you see how we need the word. The word is what grows and trains and develops and educates our spirit. We cannot say, now that we have the Spirit, we do not need the Word. It's like I cannot say, now that I am finally developed and born, I don't need food. Of course I need food, right? So, now, <clears throat> Proverbs 20, 27 says, The Spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of the heart. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Proverbs 20, 27. So picture, <clears throat> picture one of those old-fashioned oil lamps. When we are born again, the Lord has given each one of us a lamp. And then it is up to us to fill that lamp with oil. And we do that by filling ourselves up on the Word of God and praying, meditating on the Word, getting an understanding in our hearts of the Word. Amen? Uh -huh. In Psalm 27, 11, Psalm 27, 11, David said, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a straight, in a, in a plain path because of mine enemies. So David knew that he needed to be taught. Yes. It wasn't enough that he was in relationship Come with on. God. Come he on. needed to be taught. And he said, <clears throat> because of mine enemies, do you know he was not just speaking of physical enemies, other people, but we have enemies. We have sickness, 
we have yeah. poverty, we have depression, yeah. we have all kinds of enemies that knock on the door of our heart. But if we will allow ourselves to be taught, we will know how to stand strong and say, no, thank you, stay away. Amen. Amen. Yes. But we need to be taught a newborn baby cannot protect itself. Yeah, we come, come together here. Yeah. What for? Is this our mission? No. We are here to get equipped. So we will stand strong. And then we will go out there and tell, listen, you don't need to be a victim. You can be victorious. This is how you do it. Amen. Amen. Our mission is out there. Amen. And our equipping is here. Amen. Okay. But now think again about a newborn baby. A newborn baby is complete. It does not need any more fingers, any more arms, any more heads, any more legs. It is complete, right? But it needs to grow and develop and get educated and get taught and get strengthened. And that is now the situation with our spirit. It is the same with our spirit. And we could say, for example, with the body, when I realize that I'm really unfit, well then, if I join a fitness program, I'm not gonna go for that fitness program one day and the next day be fully developed. No, I gotta go day in, day out, day in, day out. And then, if I decide I've had enough and I completely stop it, I'm gonna end up in the unfit state that I was in before I started. The same with a child. We don't send our child to school for one day and then expect that he comes back knowing it all. We expect it to take years, right? The child may think he knows it all, but, <laughs> but we expect to send him day in, day out, year in, year out, even as adults. Many of us go day in, day out, year in, year out, right? Now, why would we think it any different with our spirit? Our spirit also needs to be taught and trained and developed and strengthened. Amen? Amen. So now I'd like to present four basic ways. I'm sure that there are more, but I'll just cover these four basic ways that we can train and develop our spirit to where it can become a safe guide for us. So number one, meditating in the word, meditating meditate in the word. What does it mean to meditate? That's more than just quickly read. It means to think deeply until we come to an understanding of it. Until something clicks and we say, wow! And now we realize how we can apply that in our life. And number two, practice the word, or rather do the word. Don't just hear it. Do it. Do what it says. And number three, giving the word first place. Many people say, oh, I tried everything, I guess I'll try God. Last resort. Don't do that. Do not. Again. Number three is giving the word first place. We don't use God as a last resort. God forbid. We should always turn to God and then if he directs us to go to the doctor or go to the bank for a loan or go to whatever, then we'll do that. But first of all, we look to the Lord. We give the word first place. Number four, 
we should instantly obey the voice of our spirit. Instantly. Don't hesitate. Don't drag our feet. Don't say, well, maybe God, I know God told me this, and maybe one day I will. No, don't do that. Obey right away. Amen? It's for your benefit, my benefit. And as we practice these steps, we will come to know the will of God in every area because he communicates with our spirit. And as we obey our spirit, which is the lamp of the Lord, as we fill up on the word of God, the oil in our lamps, he, the Holy Spirit, will enlighten us and he will guide us as we obey. By the way, did you notice that the first of these four points have to do with the word? Meditate in the word. Do the word. Give the word first place. But the word, the word, the word, that is now the importance of the word, right? Now, Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction are all contained in the word of God and these are given to lead us in the do's and don'ts of life and cause us to walk in the right path. And that was 2 Timothy 3.16. Now let's talk a little bit about meditating in the Word. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law, we could say, the Word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. What did it say? From your where? Mouth. Your mind, your heart, your your where? Mouth. I don't hear them. From your mouth. Mouth. Then you speak for. Sorry, you speak forth the word. Amen. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do, observe to do, not just hear, observe to do, according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When you speak it forth and you do it, you speak it forth and you do it, then you will have good success, and then you will make your way prosperous. And we know that's part of the general way of knowing the will of God is to know the word of God. That was Joshua 1.8. So it says that Jesus... Sorry. 1 Corinthians 1.30 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption 1 Corinthians 1.30 Jesus is made unto us wisdom and we know that Jesus was the word made flesh So Jesus is wisdom and he is the word. In other words, the word gives us wisdom. We cannot develop spiritual wisdom without the word of God. Deeply spiritual people are people who give time for meditation in the word of God and they are led by the spirit of God. Practicing or doing the word. James 1.22 James 1.22 But be 
doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And James 2.17, James 2.17 says, Thus, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Is everything all right? Thank you, Lord. Are we all right? James 2.17, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The word is not going to work for you if you do not put it to action. How do you put it to action? By speaking it forth with your mouth and believing it in your heart. Amen? Then you can expect the word to work for you. But if you don't speak it forth, if you don't do the word, it is like death. It's dead. It's not going to work for you. I'm sorry. When you say the word, which one you come What do you mean exactly? Well, it says that Jesus was made the word. I I like to say that the word. We especially look at the New Testament, the word in the epistles and the and the gospels. But we cannot exclude the scriptures. Thank you. Okay. So now I'd like I'd like to. I'd like to give an example of how to be a doer of the word, okay? And I'm going to read from Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on or think on these things. So let's look at that. What does it, it, it tells us in verse six, to be anxious for nothing. Now, sometimes we like to go in God, to God in prayer and we like to tell him about how bad everything is. But if we don't practice verse six, we won't get verse seven. Verse seven is that the peace of God that passes all understanding will be ours. So when we go to word some, so in other words, we don't go and speak forth all the things that we have that we don't want. We go forth in prayer and thanksgiving, asking the Lord for the things that we do want. So sometimes we cannot rush into prayer. Sometimes we need to see what is it? What would I actually like to see happen? Right? And then I can give thanks to the Lord for that. But, for example, I want to say, um, it says here that in Habakkuk 2.4, it says, the just shall live by faith. And James 5.15 says that it is the prayer of faith that shall save the sick. So if I pray in depression, anxiety, fear, and worry, that prayer is a waste of my breath. It is not going to work for me. I have to pray in faith. 
I have to believe. Father, I thank you that in spite of your word promises that, and I speak forth the word of God, I give it opportunity to work for me, to produce the things that I want and that I've been promised. But now, if I never read the word, don't study the word, I won't know what to speak forth. But I stand on the promises of God in my prayers. I don't stand on complaints and anxiety and fear. That's not going to work for me. Amen? So if I want to be a doer of the word, I've got to do, i got to stand on the word of God in my prayers as well. And just, if I need to take time in the word to where I actually have that foundation to stand on in my prayer before I pray, then do that. Then don't rush into prayer. Find that peace. Find that promise to stand on. And then you're ready to come before the Lord. And also Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is it that produces the substance? Faith, not fear and anxiety or worry. Faith. It is faith that saves and faith that gives substance to our life. And that is what we need to live by. The solution answers the substance that our faith draw from the supernatural realm into the natural. So we need to first of all stop fretting or being anxious. And where do we get the peace or the ability to do so? What, does, what did Jesus say? The Word. In Isaiah 23, 6 said, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We've got to get our mind on the Word of God on the promises of God. 23.6. I say 26.6. And then we can get verse 7 which says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? And because we have the ballast of the word of God in our hearts and minds, it keeps us. It is a God that does not let the enemy through. Amen? And then also, we'll just finish with verse 8. Finally, whatsoever things are true, lovely, and so on. Some things may be true, but are they pure? Are they lovely? Are they of good report? If they don't meet all the criteria, we should not be even thinking, let alone speaking, let alone speaking those things forth with our mouths, right? We praise the devil when we focus on, talk about, and give place to his dirty word. Because we enforce whatever we sow, we are enforcing that. So the devil's greatest weapon is the power of suggestion. He is ever seeking and endeavoring to enter into our thought life. Seeking to cause us to speak forth the wrong things, sow his evil seeds. So let's not talk about everything we hear. In fact, let's not even think about it, if it does not meet the criteria of Philippians 4.8. Amen? And remember, who is reaping the harvest that you sow? You are. So you're not doing it for the sake of others. You're doing it for your sake. Amen? Amen.
Matthew 12, 36 and 37 says, But I say unto you, Matthew 12, 36 and 37, But I say unto you, that for every idle word men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Did you notice that it is your words that justify you, and it is your words that condemn you. And you and I are in charge. We should have control of what words are coming out of our mouth. That was Matthew 12, 36 and 37. 36 and 37. So, and remember again, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You speak forth the words of Jesus, you are sowing your sowing life, and then you're going to reap life. Amen? God's word brings life and peace. The devil's word brings death and destruction. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, 30, 19, Deuteronomy, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life. Amen? That both you and your seed may live. Choose life. Choose the words of God. Choose the life of God. Proverbs 18.21 Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Where is the tongue? Inside my mouth. It's in your mouth. It's not God on the throne or on high or the devil in the depths of hell that dictates your life. Your words, your tongue. This is pretty. Now in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, 2 Corinthians 13, 1, it says, By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So now... We have God's word on one side, yeah. telling us that by the stripes of Jesus, you were, healed. you were healed. We have Satan's words on the other side saying, you shall surely die. This is unto That's death. Now, what are you going to agree with? Because two, by, by the, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the word is established. So what are you going to establish? Are you going to establish... I'm going to side with God. Sorry, but by the stripes of Jesus, I am already healed. Or am I going to agree with the enemy? Oh, yes, I will surely die. Oh, I already feel so weak. Oh, I can hardly stand. Oh, I must go to bed. Oh, I think I'm dying. <laughs> you choose. The choice is yours. But he said, I said before you, life and death. You choose, but please choose life. But how do you choose it? How do you activate it? You speak it forth with your mouth. Your mouth must speak it forth. That's how you make the word work for you. Amen? So, Matthew 12:34. Matthew 12:34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart? What's in my heart? Hmm? You know, if you have a tube of toothpaste, when the pressure gets you, you squeeze it really hard, 
sometimes the pressures of life will squeeze us really hard. You squeeze that tube of toothpaste, what's going to come out? Toothpaste. Toothpaste. Toothpaste, because that's what's inside. It can't pretend to be something else. That is what comes out. When life squeezes you, what comes out of you? Well, that depends on what you filled your heart with. What have you filled your heart with? What have you meditated on? What have you believed? What have you received? The choice is yours. Amen? What's in your heart? What do you suggest people to do? I suggest that you let Jesus fill your heart and mind. Amen? God. With the Word of God. Amen. Amen. James 3, 2 and 3. James chapter 3, verse 2 and 3 says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, perfect as in mature, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. James says that if we can control our tongue, we will have no trouble controlling our body. Like a bit in a horse's mouth, you know that little metal piece you put in the horse's mouth? Steers the horse. So our tongue in our mouth steers us. We are steered by what is in our mouth. Our body has to be trained to act upon the Word of God. And our spirit needs to be developed, educated, trained, and strong so that it can steer us in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's a lot of good scriptures. I don't have time to share them all. But 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, Because I have believed, therefore I speak. What do you believe? Not what do you think? In our minds, we think, oh, I know this is right. No. But what deeply in your heart? What do you really deeply believe? And meditating and coming to an understanding will increase our faith in, on the Word of God naturally, right? So if you really believe, that's what you will speak for because that's what's in your heart. Mm. And it says in Proverbs 6, 2, that we are snared with the words of our mouth. Not by, not by the devil, not by this neighbor that maybe doesn't like us. It's the word of our own mouth that snares us. A snare is like a trap. And it's not something we want. We don't want to be snared. We don't want to be caught. We don't want to fall prey. But it is the word in your own mouth, my own mouth, that snares me. And Matthew 15, 18. Matthew 15, 18. It says, the words that come out of your mouth, those are what defile a man. Not what you put in your mouth and eat. You know, oh, don't eat that, that's an unclean food. Oh, you shouldn't eat this. That's not what defiles you. It's the words that come out of our mouth that defiles us. That was Matthew 15, 18. What, come, what is coming out of our mouths? And I like to share Mark, 1620, Mark 16:20 says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. What came first? The word was first spoken, then came the signs. 
Some people say, oh, if I see the signs, like Thomas, if I see the signs, then I'll believe. No, you're not going to get it. It's faith. Faith is what goes to work. Believing, because you believe, you will see. It's not seeing. Seeing doesn't produce the faith. Anyone can believe once it's there. That requires absolutely no faith. But believing the word of God, trusting it, speaking it forth, expecting it, filling our hearts with it, meditating in it, that is what is going to cause the word of God to work for us. Amen? And produce life in us. So now, giving the word first place. We are on point number three, giving the word first place. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The training, the developing, the educating of our spirit comes by giving the word first place. We should train ourselves to ask God what the word has to say about everything that comes up in our lives. We need to learn to put the word first. The word should never be a last resort. Amen. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, incline, the word incline means to be favorably disposed toward or willing to do something. So we should actually go into the word with the frame of mind or the attitude. What does it say that I ought to do and then be prepared to do accordingly? If we should incline our ear where we give favor, we favor what the word, okay, the world says to do this, but Lord, what are you saying? I want to do what you said. Amen? And it says that the word, when given its proper and rightful place in our lives first, will be life and health. So the word will not only do something in our spirits, give life, but in our body as well, it will give health. That is now the importance of the word. Amen? Amen. And now number four, the point four was by instantly obeying the voice of our spirit. Romans 1.5, Romans 1.5 says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So we have been given the grace for obedience to the faith. Sure. That means it has been given us to be obedient. He has already graced us with the ability to be able to obey. Amen? The human spirit has a voice. Whether we are saved or unsaved, we have, uh, we call it a conscience, an intuition, an inner voice, or a guidance. Some say that our conscience is a safe guide, but that's not always true. We may have been trained or raised in a certain culture, taught certain traditions, and learned to accept things that are not according to the Word of God. Therefore, in order for our conscience to be a safe guide, 
our spirit has to be re-educated, trained, taught, and developed in the Word of God. Amen? Our conscience is the voice of our spirit, and it can become the voice of God as it is fit the Word and given the opportunity to meditate in the Word of God. God speaks to us with our inward voice. He is living on the inside of us when we are born again. And here we again have Proverbs 20, 27. Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. In other words, the Lord uses our spirit to enlighten our understanding. We must train our spirit. We don't want to be led astray thinking we are doing the right thing. Amen? Therefore, um, our time in the Word and in meditating in the Word is of utmost importance. That is how our spirit gets taught, strengthened, and becomes a dependable guide. We need to realize that God is going to guide us by our spirit, and that if we are born again, our spirit has the life and nature of God in it, and we need to give it the privilege of meditating in the Word so that it can become a safe guide. guide. Amen? Amen? So, but we won't get there overnight. Remember how I shared, if I start a fitness program today, I'm not going to be fit tomorrow. If I go to school for one day, I'm not going to know it all tomorrow, right? So if you come to church today, you're not going to know it all in one day, right? So there is a reason that Jesus used the parable of the sower to teach us about the principles of the kingdom of God. We might cheat a certain system, but when it comes to reaping a harvest, we cannot cheat. The seed needs time to germinate, grow, and become strong enough to bear fruit. And there's no way to speed up that process. It will all happen in time as the seed continually takes in nourishment day in and day out. Amen? And so it is with us. If we want to be led by the Spirit of God, we must develop, educate, train, and teach our spirit through the Word of God so that it will eventually become a strong, dependable, safe guide. Amen? Amen. So now, conclusion. I'm going to, to end here. Um, we remember now, please, that walking in the Spirit is a matter of what we set our mind. We can set our mind on the things of the flesh or on the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit are the Word of God, right? The things of the flesh is ruled by how we feel, what we see, hear, smell, and taste. Yeah. So, James 1, 23 through 25. James 1, 23 through 25 says, If anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, what? And continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. He will be blessed in his works, right? 
So we need to be continually, and in fact, I dare say that it's not enough to be in the Word on a Sunday morning. We should be in the Word. Job said, neither have I gone back from the commandments of your lips. I have esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. He was saying, if it's a day where either I will have time to hear the word, spend time with you and your word, or eat a meal, I'd rather spend time in you and your word. Amen? Esteemed, he put more value on, more importance on the word of God than the physical food. So, the only way we can tell what manner of man we now are, because we look into the perfect law, into the mirror of God's word, and now we see that we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now we see that we are triumphant, overcomers, victorious, beloved, acceptable, righteous, holy, a saint. We see all this in the word of God. <clears throat> so, it says, the only way that we can tell what manner of man we now are in our spirit is by continuing to look into the mirror of God's word and beholding the perfect law of liberty, which is the grace of God based on the finished work of Christ, who you are in Christ. But we got to live, the just to live by faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So let me just reiterate, to be led by the spirit we have to be filled with the Word of God. We have to have a good knowledge of the Word of God. But if it was only Word, Word only, it would be very dry. It says that the letter kills. The letter, like that's the body's written, the black and white. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we need the Spirit, the passion, the inspiration, the enthusiasm, the life of the Spirit to bring the Word alive. So we need both the Word and the Spirit. The Father, the Word and the Spirit, these three are one. They cannot be separated. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.